He gives a speech, and she said that she sat throughout his whole speech thinking that she was either going to die, her heart was going to explode and she was going to die, two, maybe she was going to jump on the table, tear off all their clothes and go on a rampage, or three, she was going to rip out my father-in-law's throat with her teeth. And these three things because earlier in the night, uh, another cousin of mine from Florida, because she's from Florida, um, pulls a couple of guests aside, this cousin included, and says, let's go smoke some weed before this thing gets going. I go outside and smoke a joint. Uh, as it turns out, Laced. Wasn't, wasn't weed at all. It was bath salts that they smoked hmm. without telling her. So she's sitting up here, stoned on bath salts, just waiting to die at any moment or tear my father-in-law's throat out. That would be exciting. Welcome back to your football fantasy. Grab a drink, roll back your foreskin, and let Dweez Nuts, Big Wiz, and the Bullfrog stroke your fantasy loins. When I won Strip Phase 10... What is the Strip Phase 10? You know, Phase 10 is a card game. I dominated in that game. So we were taking shots along the way. And afterward, as penance, while I poured the last of the peppermint schnapps into the shot glass, I made her blow me until they were poured, so it was the slowest... Pour? Pour... Of my life. And then we fucked like crazy. We had yoga sex. I said, pick a yoga position, and I'm going to fuck you in it. I got some, some uh, rug burns on my knees from that day. Good for you. That was a good time. Hey, dipshits. Welcome back to Your Football Fantasy. It's week 17 in the NFL. He, he would have done it for you. I know he would. It's because he likes me more. <clears throat> Weeks Milk Stout Moon Jumper from Destiel. It's not that bad, actually. Okay. It looks gross. It's pretty good. All right. Uh, if you like stouts. I don't. It's week 17 in the NFL. That means your fantasy football season is probably over. And you're thinking to yourself, what the fuck are these douche dicks going to talk about for the next 90 minutes? Ooh, it's not over for Gary Haddow. Oh, it is over for Gary Haddow. But we should mention that real quick. We will. Loyal. Loyal. Loyal us. listener to the show. He loves us. He's begged us to be on the show. And as it turns out, we made a mistake in not allowing <laughs> I it. I told this, you. This kid steps out. And as far as I know, it's his first entry, but he went and won the Scott Fish Bowl 9. Great fucking job, Gary. Way to represent our show that you're not in any way affiliated with. He's a cool dude. Follow him on Twitter. You probably already do as you're a Scott Fish follower yourself. At Gary Haddo, I think it's one. Uh, he's a, he's a, we, we like to interact with the guy. He's, he's, like I said, an active member of the show. We appreciate you, sir. But look, we got to get into this episode this week. We're going to talk some news. We're going to give you some daily stuff, which is a surprise this week, I think. We're going to we're going to talk NFL playoffs a little bit. We'll wrap up our three in the pink, two in the stink, and uh, we'll just give you some lessons, some surprises, some things that we're taking away from this fantasy season, taking into this off season, and hopefully, hopefully, remembering come next season to improve on our finishes. As none of the people in this studio right now won their fantasy leagues. By the way, Dweez Nuts here, your host. The Big Wiz, 
joins me. No bullfrog today, but who needs him when we've got the Wiz, right? Well, he did have he had two weeks, two weeks in a row there for a little bit. He was on for two weeks in a row after missing nine. Yeah, it, was, he, it was good to see. You set records, folks. All right, let's uh, let's do a little bit of news because there are a couple of people still playing. Maybe dailies. They just want to know what's going on. This week in football. Beast Mode is back, baby. In Seattle, they lose all of their running backs over the course of, what, three or four weeks. And uh, this past week, they went outside. Robert Turbin, sure. But fucking Marshawn Lynch is a Seattle Seahawk again going into the playoffs. This is a big week for them this week. Can they beat the Niners and take uh, the bye can they win the division? Carson Penny and CJ Procise. All out, yeah. yeah. No, they can't win. They won't win this game. The, is Beast Mode going to play? Is he just there as an emotional boost? What's the deal? Why would they sign this guy back? He'll play. He's a good running back. He's a great running back in his prime. Is he going to be a difference maker? No. But he'll tote the rock. Yes. He knows the offense, which is important when you have a very short turnaround time. That's why Robert Turbin, also formerly of the Seahawks, gets to come in here. And the attempt is going to be to keep them honest. Yes. You just, got, just, yeah. just pound the ball a little bit just so they don't fucking tee off on... On Russell? On your boy. You know, Russell's had a tough last six weeks of the season. He was quarterback two in the first six, quarterback <laughs> 11 over the last six. MVP, MVP candidate for the first ten weeks of the season. Fell off yeah. pretty hard there. Yes. Um, anyway, Beast Mode's back. That's of note. If you are playing in any kind of fantasy football this week, whether it's a, a league that goes through 17 or you're just in the dailies, worth noting Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram on the uh, offensive, well, Marshall Yonda, offensive side of the ball, Earl Thomas, Brandon Williams, defensive side of the ball for Baltimore. None of these guys are going to play this week. They are resting the entire squad this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've locked up the one in the AFC, they've got home field advantage and the bye. So if you're playing this week, does this does this help Steelers players make them more fantasy viable? Mason Rudolph is on the IR, so we got Duck playing at quarterback. Juju's back. Deontay Johnson's been good. Washington's been fine. James Conner out again, so Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels going. Are they worth anything? And how about the replacement players for the Ravens? RG3 is going to play quarterback. Gus Edwards. How about Justice Hill finally doing something for Bullfrog and three in the pink, two in the stink last week? Anybody in this game you like? Uh, I don't like any Ravens players. I don't like Duck. Uh, I think Juju's could be interesting in Washington could be interesting. If you really want to dig deep, Deontay Johnson, maybe. Deontay Johnson's been the leading score on this team for several weeks. You have now. faith in any sort of consistency from those three names. But look, if this whole team for Baltimore was playing, I'd it's an easy no because that defense is just too good. But you know, there's a chance. They're not resting the entire defensive squad, but uh if they're cheap and daily, I would consider them. I agree with you about the Ravens players. We've seen RG three in there for quarters at a time and nothing happens. Correct. Nothing happens on offense for the Ravens. It's a lot of three and outs. I don't trust any of that, but but depending on price, and maybe you'll tell us about it a little later in the show, there's some Steelers players that I would consider rolling out for cheap. Nope, not on the list. You're not going to talk about them. Okay. Um, how about this bit of news? Probably just a, a nothing to do diligence thing. 
But Antonio Brown is working out for the Saints. Today? Yesterday? I don't know. But he is working out for the Saints who, look, Drew Brees is not a young man, right? They need to win. They need to win now. They need to put it together and take home another Super Bowl. So maybe it makes sense to go out and sign the best free agent talent at his position available. Is it going to happen? Is it going to work out? Do you give a shit? In a football, in a fo- not fantasy wise, no football. Kind of, if there, there's a team where that he, it might be the Saints. Idea they have a strong enough head coach and strong enough quarterback that that he can't be a complete idiot. Um, well, we said that about the Patriots too. Well, the Patriots said he was an idiot and cut him. They Got just said I'm not you're worth not worth our time. Quickly, um, I have a hard time thinking that he'll actually fit on this. Michael Thomas is a legit. Receiver, I'm not sure where he fits, I guess, is the only problem here. Well, so the issue for the Saints has always been, whether it's a talent issue or whatever, has always been the wide receiver, too, is a worthless position. Right? Maybe Traquan Smith, they every now and then, has had a decent game, but it's been the wide receiver one is pretty much the only threat. Everybody knows Michael Thomas is the guy. So if there's any chance Antonio Brown can come in here and at least relieve a little bit of that pressure for Thomas, maybe... Maybe be a short yardage, get your first downs kind of kind of guy. Maybe be a deep threat, which Michael Thomas is really not a deep threat wide receiver on this team. Is so, A B a deep threat? I, no, he was. He's never been fast. I mean, but he's Jared always gets Co- open. Jared deep. Cook's kind of a deep threat. Same with yeah. Smith. I mean, I don't know. He's not gonna he, look. He's not gonna land on this team. But it's a funny bit of news that he's he's working out again earlier in the week, or maybe it was last week. Could his you dad, name a third receiver for the Saints? Yeah. No. Taysom Hill, I get maybe. Taysom Hill is a tight end, but yeah, he plays receiver. I don't know who the fuck the third one Taysom is. Taysom Hill's the quarterback. It's Josh Hill's the other tight end. Taysom Hill plays tight end. Just Taysom as Hill much plays as he everything. Quarterback. He plays fucking punt coverage. But you were saying AB sued his dad. No, AB's dad did an interview just oh. last week saying, "Hey, Antonio's getting real depressed. Right, he's having a really hard time with life right now. Please be kinder to him." universe. Maybe he should have been a better father. That's exactly the... Well, he's... he's never mind. Um, Alright, last bit of news here. Zach Ertz is back at practice with the Eagles. Dallas Goddard won you a bet last week. Well, was two a bets, great actually. flex spot for you last week. Two bets. Okay. Uh, he He's... And not only that, but like, I think he's a top 12 tight end on the season right now. Maybe 10 or 11 right in there. Goddard's been really good with Ertz in and with Ertz out. If you are playing right now, you know, Dallas Goddard is potentially a, a, a really nice daily option with Ertz out. Do you still trust him if Ertz does come back and play? You still trust him even with Ertz. Ertz is banged up regardless. Goddard's a legit receiver. They're still rolling out. J.J. Arcega Whiteside and Greg Ward Jr. Those are their receivers. Aguilar's hurts. Uh, Jeffrey's on the I, IR. Jeffrey's out, out. Um, so yeah, you still. Roll, I think you roll both these guys out. I don't. I mean, Ertz I think is good enough. He's the number two tight end right now, going into week seventeen. Got Ertz number nine. So I think you can roll out these guys, no problem. Just do it. Just do it. Do you think the Eagles win and get in this week? They got the Giants. The Giants. I absolutely do think they win. Who the Giants have been scoring a shitload of points lately. Saquon's yeah. back, baby. It'll be a high-scoring game. Um, Dallas will also pound the shit out of Washington. That's what. Well, they should have. They should have pounded the shit out of Philly, but <laughs> is what it is. Okay, 
Uh, that's it for news. We're not going to spend long there. We are going to take some... Alright, so last week was a really bad week for one of us and a fantastic week for another one of us. Ugh, I'm keeping that bottle. Last week, I lost every category on this show. Start of the week, I picked Will Fuller. He got hurt, to be fair. Uh, to be fair, he did play, though. Can't get it up. He did play. He did play. Can't get it up. I picked fucking Aaron Jones, who had another one of his bust game or boom games rather than the bust I hoped for. I had a nice flex pick with Golden Tate last week, but it wasn't good enough to beat Ronald Jones or Dallas Goddard. And I don't even want to talk about my tight end streamer. Well, yeah, you should hear that was the, a good bet. You should you see made. the absolute lamb based thing I took on Twitter. Did you deserve it for the call? Look, one drive for Kittle. One drive. The there's one drive is the only reason he beat OJ Howard. Which, by the way, you can't expect. I guess you <laughs> should. Jameis Winston to throw five interceptions. Like a couple of those should have been OJ Howard. Three in the first quarter. Really ugly. But it is what it is. I also lost two bets last week. That would be the O.J. Howard Kittle bet. I also lost the Dallas Goddard bet. I, it was a 16.5 point overrunner. He ended up with 19.5. So kudos to you for that big call. I've got six fucking shots to take. Bullfrog's not here. He would have four. He lost a couple of bets. Remember, he bet me the under on the New Orleans-Tennessee game at 50. That game went for 66. He also guaranteed 100 yards for Joe Mixon. Uh, we bet that. He had 50 on the ground, 73 total in the game, so I win that. Bad game for Joe. But he's not here. The only thing you lost last week, sir, was your survivor pick. You picked Dallas as a lock. You said they're a better team. Pick them. Pick them. Pick them. They're a better team. As it turns out, they were, they not, were not a better team. But I guess you can start pouring me some shots, and I'll take them. Just line up six of them? Sounds good. Okay, line them up. How many extras are you going to take with me just for... I'll take friendship sake. Two extras. We'll take two screwballs. Extra. The misfits. Did bring a black and berry. You should bring that blackberry. It was delicious. Cheers. Number one. Woo. But I thought of you. I thought of you over the break. I just thought you want to know that. Merry Christmas, <coughs> by the way. How was your Christmas? Did you have a good Christmas? Pour me another shot. Did you get anything nice? Do you want another screwball? Yeah. You get anything nice? That tastes so much better, like 20, 15 seconds afterwards, than it does going down. Yes, it takes a couple of. Yeah, you just got to ignore the first few. Oh, my goodness. Um, did I get anything? I got some beer. Well, that's great. You're an alcoholic. That's so. That's I good. got some. Uh, I got a running sweatshirt, so that was good. You do run. Um, it's the worst kind of alcoholic. And did I get anything else that's worth noting? Um, some money. Super. You see that uh, huge fucking bottle of Bud Light with a lampshade on it over there? Can you drink that bottle of Bud Light? Nope. That's what I got for Christmas. That's pretty cool, too. Pour me a shot. I'm going to move on and start talking three in the pink, two in the stink. You can just keep pouring them, and I'll just keep taking them because I fucking suck. You're taking frost, froggies, too? You want to know? I will tell you one good call that I've been you making. You take froggies for them, too. Nope. I've been making one good call all year long, and it last week finally came to fruition, and it's this. I've been saying all all season that Nick Chubb's going to be great all year, but he's going to get people knocked out of their fantasy playoffs. Weeks 15, 14 and 15, he had big weeks. That was not that hard to predict. Or but in the championship week, we're running back 41. He was in the top 10 each of the first two playoff weeks. But if you made it to the championship with Nick Chubb, I believe you lost. 
And if I'm wrong about that, tweet at me at Dweez Nuts. Prove it to me. Did you get tweeted at last week? I got tweeted at a whole fucking lot last week, brother. People, people, people said things like, I'm legitimately just eliminating the, your podcast from my existence from now on. <laughs> I've got like I heard from people say that I listen to this show, but I'm going to stop now. I am deleting it from my pod, my my <laughs> podcast app right now. Where are we going up in listeners too for a while? Always, man. People fucking love us. Give me that shot, and I'm hitting the next drop. And not after your last fucking moronic statements. Shut up. I was very drunk. Okay. Oh yeah, kind of sweet, kind of shitty. All right, shot, and then I'll do this one. Hmm. Oh, do you remember how bad that one was? Oh, yes. So we are finished with this season of Three in the Pink, Two in the Stink. We have a winner. We'll get to that in a second. Let's start with your bottom five. If you want to see the overall rankings, I will be tweeting them out here shortly. But you can always see them at yourfootballfantasy.weebly.com. In the very last place... This season was a good doctor. That's not a surprise. A negative 627, but he did have a nice positive week this week to end it. I think he got 30 or 40 points, which is good for him. It's very exciting. Ash Goddard has been second to the bottom for a long time. A negative 485 means he, she, they stay there. I don't know who that is. Sideline squib. Next up, 287 in the negative. And unfortunately, after a long streak of really high scores, positive points, the Cave of Excellence had a bad week. Negative 133 for this or this week means a negative 266 on the season. And fifth from the bottom, Brian Atkins, a negative 264 for that newcomer. Flip that. Let's go top five in fifth place this season. Jolly old St. Nicholas, 417 points in the positive. Not bad. He is new to the Your Football Fantasy universe, but he joined our three in the pink, two in the stink. He's in our Flexual Frustration Fantasy League that we started up this year as well. And he St. Nicholas? He did well here. He almost lost that one. He thought he lost that one. Sent out a text to the group saying, I guess I'm waxing my shit, right? But oh, he did damn it! The Wolfpack lost, which is much more fun for us. Jake's <clears throat> football blog, positive 450. Here's the thing I like about Jake. Anytime I post something or tweet something out on Twitter... He challenges me, which I like. Ooh. So we have nice debates back and forth about stuff, and I like that about Jake. So I tag him in everything I do. Uh, also, did, he, did he also cancel the show after that? No, he loves that. Nah, he fucking loves this. Third place this season goes to the Big Wiz and his positive 548. Nice job, sir. You said you finished in third last year as well. I did. Okay. How's that third place treating you? Um, not as good as number one, sure, but I do sure. feel that it's, I think I've actually been two last year, but either way, two, three, I'm pretty consistent. I know what the fuck I'm doing. Fantasaurus Flex, the running back team with a positive seven. Not a legit number here, but okay. What? Yeah, Fantasaurus, you can't fucking submit two teams unless you pay up. He did. Pay up, motherfucker. 733 for him this year, not too bad, but your winner, again, no surprise, pole to pole <clears throat> lead. I only had one negative week on the year. 1,172 points goes to me. Here's how we're doing this moving forward. If you win, you're going to get a signed jersey your way, and it's going to be somebody on your three in the pink, two in the stink team. We get to pick. Um, I'm personally looking for a Devin Singletary right now. I think that's the jersey I want to have for my win because because uh, what? 
I think this kid's got a long future ahead of him in the NFL. But if I can't, I, I guess I'll take a Royce Freeman might be cheaper. He was my uh, just a tip guy. I'd go with Royce Freeman. Royce, Fre- I love me some Devin Singletary though. There you go. Like I said, take a look at the final rankings on the website. We're gonna get into this again next year. Hopefully, it grows again. Wiz wants to start charging. We'll see. We'll see. No, no, no. If, well, we, I do want to start charging, but we if you submit two teams, you're definitely paying money because we're not doing that for fucking free next year. I think we went from 10 or 11 teams last year to 30 this year. Well, so Our goal is going to be over, over 50 in, in 2020. Can I? Can you pull me a shot? I owe many more. Do you have anything else but time? And you're just killing it anyways. Killing time, buddy. Meaning of life. Kill time. Propagate the species. All right, uh, consider that for a second, and we're going to get into our topic of the week. We don't have a drop for it. All right, pass me that shot glass, and then we'll get into it. Cheers to another good season, fantasy season. I think I had two third-place finishes, a fourth-place finish, and uh, in our flexual frustration, I technically finished fourth, and I get the first overall draft pick next season. How does that work? Because I won the loser's bracket. You did? I sure did. Are you sure I didn't win it? Yeah, oh yeah, you suck. Mm. My brother asked me again when I was home for maybe the 15th time, do you really take those shots on the show? He said, it sounds fake. Do you really take those shots? I promise you, listeners, every fucking shot you hear, we're taking. Blender's pride doesn't ring up like... God damn it, that Blender's pride. Actually, that smoky stuff I still have in my basement right now, that's actually worse than Blutter's Pride. I, From India? It might be. It might be. The dog? All right, our first topic this week we want to talk about is simply this. Three lessons that we learned this fantasy season that we're going to try to remember going into next fantasy season. It might have an impact on how we draft. It might have an impact on how we manage our teams. It's just something that we saw, something that we noticed, something that we know that we need to remember if we want to improve on our finishes next year we each have three. Wiz, I want you to kick us off with your first lesson. So my first lesson is very similar to one of your lessons. Okay, hit me with it. Um, my lesson this year is the switch from the pocket passer to the read option at quarterback, folks. The read option quarterbacks finished four out of the top five, right? That's, that is Lamar Jackson. That's Watson. That is... Dak. Dak and Jameis finished five, and he is the only pocket passer in that group. Jameis finished four, and Russell Wilson finished five. Russell Wilson, to me, is still a read option quarterback. Sure. Um, so I thought that was interesting. The next two on that list, famous Jameis is obviously a pocket passer. Rodgers and Wentz are the other two pocket passers that finished in the top ten. They finished eight and nine, respectively. Well, there's only three pocket passers in the top ten. Why? Because it's a hard fucking thing to do, and most people can't do it. And there's not that many that are good at it right now. Uh, so I'm going to take this and just expand on this a little bit because it's very similar to one of the lessons that I want to talk about. I don't know where you got your finish rankings from. Yep. Go ahead. Not where they don't match up perfectly with my finish rankings. They don't. No, I went not, to not fantasy, perfectly. I want fantasy pros. Okay. They're real similar. And, and, and yeah, my lesson I worded it a little bit differently, and I simply said, if you can't run the ball, you can't be my fantasy quarterback in the future. Okay. I'll repeat this. I'm going to do the top ten here. Lamar Jackson. 
Sean Watson, Dak Prescott, Jameis Winston, Russell Wilson. That's the top five. They all have something in common outside of just the fact that they can run. Keep if going Bullfrog were here, get better. If Bullfrog were here, he'd tell you what they have in common. It's but, color. But I'm it's not froggy. nearly as racist. Six to ten goes Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Ryan. Can you just stop right there? All you did right there was list everyone but Jameis is the read option quarterback. Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz. Here's what I wrote in here, okay? I'm going to give you their rushing totals for the season. Their rushing numbers and where they finished in quarterback rushing totals. Obviously, Lamar Jackson was one. 12 fucking hundred yards rushing. 1,200 yards and seven fucking TDs. And he won't get a dime more than that because he's sitting next week. Deshaun Watson, number two quarterback, was the number four rusher at 413 yards. Dak finished at number... Nine in rushing with 242. Not a ton, but enough, and he scored touchdowns. Jameis Winston, eighth in rushing, 245 again, scored touchdowns. Russell Wilson ran quite a quite a decent amount for himself, 313 this year. That was number six in rushing yards. Josh Allen had the third most rushing yards for quarterbacks, 510, and scored nine? Nine rushing touchdowns? Was it camp? Was it really that many? So goddamn many. Watson, because I think, Watson, La- I think Watson, Lamar Jackson scored seven. Watson had seven. And Watson had seven. I think I think Josh Allen had nine. I'll tell you right now. Kyler Murray, 544 yards rushing, was number two in the league. How many times did I tell you he was going to run the ball? Patrick Mahomes, who finished eighth overall, had 197 yards rushing. That's 12th in the league, but he missed a couple of games. Carson Wentz finished 10 yeah, overall. Just to clarify, Josh Allen, that is nine. Fucking nine teams. Nine. Carson Wentz had 228 yards. Even even Matt Ryan had 147 yards rushing, which is not a lot. 19th overall. But look, out of that top 10 quarterbacks, eight of those were in the top 10 in quarterback rushing yards as well. Here's a couple other things I want to point out. Okay? The other statistical categories don't matter as much. Proof. Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins were both in the top five for passing touchdowns. Neither of them show up on this list. Phillip Rivers... And Jared Goff were in the top five for passing yards this season. Neither of them show up on this list. Tom Brady, Jared Goff were in the top five for pass attempts, so quote-unquote opportunity. Neither of them show up on this list. These statistical category that right now matters most for your fantasy quarterbacks is rushing yards, rushing numbers. I will say this. The one, the one guy that this doesn't seem to line up for, I think he's the fourth or fifth most rushing yards among quarterbacks fifth it's fifth is Gardner Minshew and he did not finish top 10 quarterback two reasons he didn't play the whole season but the big one is he had zero rushing touchdowns I think there's one more thing to add here one caveat here pay attention to what your what the points at at your quarterback position are turnovers fucking count so like in some of my leagues there's a there's a penalty for large amount of fumbles Fucking knocked Allen right out of the top ten. Sure, and Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston as well. Right. We're looking hey, at we're looking at standards to minus two for an interception, minus two well, for a fumble. There's some leagues that, that it's only one for an interception or one for a fumble. Yeah, that plays more to that. That if, if there's if there's a large a large negative there, then don't fucking play those guys. If there's not, then Josh Allen, you can play all day long. All day. There was, I mean, like, there's some weird rules. Like, in one of our leagues, you get minus one per sack. So that fucked Deshaun Watson right out of the top yep. five. Like, you have to be careful there. But in a standard quarterback scoring situation, this is four-point touchdown passing. Um, that's what the numbers look like. And it is the, I, I just want to say it again. It's the rushing numbers 
that seemed to matter more than any, even more than passing touchdowns, which blew my mind, uh, more than passing yards. It's all about the rushing because you get more. It, think of it this. Think of this, okay? Josh Allen has nine rushing touchdowns. A rushing touchdown for a quarterback in most leagues is six versus a passing touchdown is four. So just the fact that you get two more per touchdown, on the, I mean, you can't avoid it anymore. Every year we've been on this curve for a long time. You have to fucking pick quarterbacks that can run the ball. You have to. You can't avoid it any longer. Yeah, it's going to stay away for a little bit. I do think it'll go back. Once you get guys like Trevor Lawrence into the league, things will change a little bit once you get a couple more guys. But yeah, you're right. For the time being right now, it is it is all the RO position at quarterback. And there's too many of these guys to ignore. And I'll tell you what. Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Jameis Winston, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray on this list, you could have got laid as fuck in your draft. Well, that's, that's the other thing that I was going to note as well, is, is that there, there's just so many of these guys, unless there's a change, which I can't expect there to be, yeah. there's too many quarterbacks. You don't need to draft one high. Wait, are you on board now? I am. Don't draft a quarterback but, but, but early? Part, part of it's just, I mean, throw... throw Lamar Jackson out of this because he, he, his point total is so much higher than what else. Anomaly. Okay, so 2 through 10 in the quarterback position, the point spread is 60-point spread. Okay. It's not that. It's 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 a lot, but not right. much. Running backs, identical. 60-point spread, 2 through 10. Wide receivers, 2 through 10, 50. And honestly, wide receivers, 2 through 15, it's like, six, it's like 55. Sure. There's... Honestly, my opinion here is that wide receivers, quarterbacks, it's fucking deep. Yeah, you you d- Deep don't as shit. you do not have to reach for these guys. Deep as shit. And honestly, running backs, the, on the other hand, running backs you have to reach for. But did you see? As I was look, I, I knew this in my brain, but until I saw it on paper, did you see the discrepancy between CMC and everybody else? Of what discrepancy? Points in half point PPR. This guy scored 150 points more than number two. 150. Bullfrog told me this today. It's like taking Derrick Henry and who did he say? Uh, like a like a Mike Williams or something, and putting them both yeah. every week on the field in one position. Well, he got eight receptions. He got eight targets or nine targets per game. He went for eleven catches last week. Yeah, for it's fucking insane. I, I guess my point to you on, on this one that I think is interesting is that yeah, I, I am all about the quarterback position trying to draft it early, but but this year more than anything, in this many running quarterbacks, like you said, Garoppolo Cousins. They're great quarterbacks. The problem is, is those guys turn into streaming quarterback options. Sure, they just, they're not they're not game script proof like the running quarterback. Correct. Seems because, to be. I mean, Josh Allen is almost just fucking plug him in. He can play. He every single situation on the field. You can call and Josh his Allen, you're not paying a lot for nothing for. All right, I'm going to hit you with a lesson that I'm taking away this week and or this year, and it is the single lesson that is most important to me, and that is that you. I mentioned it last week. You don't win your league in your draft. And I say this because I walked away from most of my drafts feeling confident that my team was better than anybody else's. And over the first half of the fantasy season, I was right in most cases. It was I was scoring significantly more points than anybody else, winning every game. And then this half halfway mark came, and half of my guys fell off. Like, for whatever reason, they stopped playing. I said last week... The real issue came not because they fell off, but because after such a strong start, I could not divorce myself from these guys. I couldn't move on and pick up the A.J. Browns or the D.J. Sharks or the guys that came on late 
Kenyon Drake because I couldn't let go of the players that I drafted and that did so much work for me early. Here's a list that I put together really quickly. I looked at three leagues, three of my many leagues. Um, these are guys that showed up multiple times on the championship winning team. Okay, Cortland Sutton, DJ Shark. J- these are multiple times on championship winning league teams over just three leagues. Jameis Winston, Kenyon Drake. Stop on that one a little bit. That guy put that guy was fucking huge numbers in the last five weeks. He was insane. Tyler Higby, Raheem Mostert, A.J. Brown. These guys showed up on multiple championship winning teams in my own personal leagues, and I owned none of them because the guys I drafted, like a like Chris Godwin, who was fine in the second half, but he was he was certainly no fucking A.J. Brown, right? Like I I couldn't let go of them to pick these guys up. My problem was and it sounds like one of these, like, my weaknesses are my strengths. But my problem was that I drafted too well this year, and I couldn't rid myself of the names that I fell in love with. Yeah, that's in, Well, that part, your first statement's incorrect. You didn't draft too well. The second part is correct that you fell in love. You got emotionally attached You've to players. You've said that before. Um, you got to let them go. You know how long I had Dante Pettis in yeah. some league or other? This year, because I just, I, I, he was a guy in the offseason that I thought was going to be great. It's not only that, but even Wolf Peck brought it up a couple weeks ago, like, Mixon. People draft Mixon really high. You kept, all, you kept him out all year, then you cut him, then, he, then he's okay. Froggy said it great last week. You fucking keep him all year, and he's still going to fish in the 10, around 10, 13, 4, whatever the fuck it is. Not good enough to win you fucking anything. No. Um, I think more than anything is this, is you hit on the head, is... You win, same thing with my leagues too, is you win your league by fucking out managing other people. And we, we, we had a management ranking in, in one of our, one of our leagues, right? Nice. Just, just fucking, just pure management rankings. Not fucking the best team, but just management rankings. Um, it was the guy who's out managed everyone. And, and, and the one guy who responded said, I, I purely picked up a guy so someone else couldn't get him. Sure. You should fucking consider that every fucking time. At week in and week out, that waiver wire is what wins you. Leagues. Mm-hmm. Okay, you might have a great record come the end of the regular season if you draft well. I sure did, but I did not win leagues. Correct. I didn't win any leagues this week. Great lesson to take away. You don't quit playing just because you drafted the best names. Number two on my list, folks, is the tight end position. I want to talk about that for a little bit. Coming into 2020, it's going to be deeper than it has been in fucking in the years past. Okay. okay? Kelsey Ertz killed went one two three no surprise right there we predicted that all day long. Um, Andrews and Waller here went four and five. They were only ten points behind Ertz at the number two. They were within fifty points of Kelsey. It's not and Mark that... Andrews led in touchdowns for tight ends. I know. For fuck's sake. Missed games. Missed games. Austin Hooper was twenty points at number six. He missed fucking four games. Yeah. Okay? And Jared Cook finished at one fifty six. That there there is four. That's five, six, and seven folks. That are not that far behind, and there's lots of young tight ends coming up. Higby, Noah Fant is fucking looks legit. Hawkinson looks legit. Dallas Knox looks okay. Dallas Goddard even fought. We just talked about earlier. There's flashes of Irv Smith, but pay attention where Rudolph goes. We healthy Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram could, could be nasty, but if will he ever be healthy? Is the question. We don't know that, but honestly, when he played early in the year, he was good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Disley Hollister. Whatever starts in fucking Seattle is going to 
He's going to be legit. I picked up Disley in our flexible frustration, even on the IR, to keep him because he's going to be a... He's going to be okay. If he can stay on the field. That's the only concern with Disley a little bit. That's why I think I listed both those guys. Hunter Henry became a... Once he got back, if he's healthy, will be a legitimate tight end. Here's my point, folks, is there's actually, coming into 2020, it's not just three tight ends and everyone else. You can, you can, you can roll out... It's much deeper. Don't you can draft these guys and pay attention to them. So are you saying don't go Kelsey in round two this year, this coming year, like you had to feel felt like you had the last year? When we because you can get somebody that's it, 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 we said it all off season, three guys and everybody else's streamers. You're saying next year we said that. it in 2018. It was a fucking dumpster fire. Yeah. Once you got after the fucking t- the, the first three. I, I think that that's my opinion here, especially like in some of our leagues where it's one point five points per per reception yeah. for a tight end. Tight end, tight end. Yeah. Uh, I guess my point here is there's Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle. They're good, but don't feel like you have to reach because I do think that there, there's lots of these options and there's there's fucking streamers here. Yeah, yeah, better, that, even better than streamers. You're not wrong. I love I love that take. That's a great take because not only are the guys that did well, but you're those fucking young kids are coming. Correct. Up. You're not wrong about that fan. That game he had. Versus whoever the fuck he played against right before he got hurt. Yeah. There was a couple games where he fucking put up 80 yards and, or 100 yards. And... All right, my next lesson here is this. Quality can trump quantity when it comes to opportunity. We have said this before. How many times have we said opportunity, 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 opportunity? There are instances, and I know it, it's going to be a lottery pick, a crapshoot to get these guys, but there are plenty of guys in the league that may not be at the top of the list opportunity-wise, but still perform. So when we talk opportunity, when we say all off-season long to you, opportunity is king, remember that sometimes what that means is the quality of the opportunity is king. A uh, few things. I want to run down a couple of lists for you guys really quickly. Here's the top 10 wide receivers in targets. Obviously, Michael Thomas is one. Hopkins is two, Edelman, Julio Jones, Allen Robinson, Tyler Boyd, Keenan Allen, DJ Moore, Jarvis Landry, and Odell Beckham. Okay, out of that list of 10... ODB was a top 10 target. Number 10. It was one, two, three, four guys on that list that were outside of the top 10 in finished wide receiver finishes, okay? They didn't finish inside the top 10 even though they had top 10 targets. Here's some guys that did finish top 10 even though they weren't top 10 in targets. Chris Godwin was the number two wide receiver in the league, did not finish in the top 10 in targets. Kenny Galladay, number five on the year, didn't even finish in the top 20 in targets. Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Devontae Parker, all these guys were in the top, well, 11, because Parker finished 11 on the season, but they did not finish in that range in targets. So sometimes, for some guys, Mike Evans, Kenny Galladay is a great example because he scored a shitload of touchdowns. You didn't list, targets, you didn't list Marvin Jones, but he's close to this His list. targets are down the field in yeah, the but, end zone. Yeah, but, but it's missing from the list in terms Marvin of top. Jones. He's very good. Um, worth looking at the quality of opportunity instead of just the quantity at that position. Running backs, it's, it's a little bit of the same at running back. Here are the top 10 running backs in touches on the season. CMC, obviously. Fournette was number two in touches, by the way. Zeke, Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, Dalvin Cook, Le'Veon Bell, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, and Josh Jacobs round out your top ten in total touches. Not all of those guys. Jacobs, Mixon, Bell didn't finish top ten. Here's a few guys from the top 12. 
in finish that did not have that number in uh, in touches. Aaron Jones was the number two overall running back on the year, but only number 11 in touches. Austin Eckler was the number five running back in the year, didn't finish in the top 20 in total touches. Mark Ingram, the number eight overall running back, number 20 in total touches. Barkley and Gurley both in the top 12 running backs outside of the top 12 in total touches. Point is this. More often than not, the quantity of opportunity is king. But there are plenty of instances where if you just look at the quality of the opportunity, whether it's a running back getting goal line touches, whether it's a wide receiver getting air yards behind his targets, there is quality of opportunity that needs to be considered when you're looking at these guys. Okay, Jarvis Landry is going to get 150 fucking targets a year. It's just going to happen all the time. But that does not necessarily relate to a nice finish. Kenny Galladay is not going to get the targets, but he's going to score you touchdowns because that's where his targets go down the field toward the end zone. So something to remember. It's going to be hard for me to remember that because my mantra has always been opportunity is king, but well, I need to. I mean, you know, the question I have for you, though, is you still play probability, right? You got to. I mean, more of the guys on those top 10 lists did finish in the top whatever in targets, but there are guys to be had. If you consider the quality of the opportunity, there are guys to be had that aren't going to get the ball a ton in Austin Eckler, but those touches are worth more than touches from a Leonard Fournette, for example. Well, I think that's going to roll into my number, my lesson number three here, folks. And, and to me, it's I focus specifically on the wide receiver position. It says do not worry if they are on a good team or a good offense. It just doesn't fucking matter. Don't overreach for this position. It's exceptionally deep. And I just talked about the tight end position being deep. Same thing with the wide receiver. Honestly, once you get past Thomas, who finished number one, Hopkins number three, and I would put Julio Jones probably in. I mean, he finished at number five, I think, or the fuck it was, number four. It, it's a fuck. It is a plethora of fucking platelers you can choose from. It just, it, there, there's, there's so many of it. The spread between Thomas number one, Hopkins number three, Edelman number five, and Lockett number 13 is 30 fucking points. There, there's that many fucking players. That's nothing. That, that's nothing. You can roll them out. That's two points per game. Um,. And honestly, it doesn't matter if they're on a fucking good team. It, the, 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 like, Thomas was on a fucking playoff team. Hopkins is going to be on a playoff team. Edelman's going to be in, in Lockett or all playoff teams. There's four in the fucking top 15. The next one's not fucking digging until 21. The point is, is, it doesn't matter if they're on a fucking playoff team. You have guys like fucking Devontae Parker, Fitzgerald, who just can, put up fucking points. Can I take the, Can I take your whole point to sure. the next level here? Because that's what I do because I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. I, I did the same research mm-hmm. because the same thing stood out to me. Yep. I took it further. Here's what I learned. Okay, If you look at the top 12 finishers... Oh, I wouldn't say you're better. I just see you have, more, you have lots of time in your hands. A ton of time. If you look at the top 12 finishers at every single position, here's what I learned. Four out of the top 12 quarterbacks, not on playoff teams. So most of them on playoff yep. teams, right? Somewhere between six and eight of the top 12 running backs, depending right, yes. on Tennessee and Dallas, who gets there. Somewhere between six and eight of the top 12 running backs, not on playoff teams. That's at least half. That's at the running back position. You didn't even mention them. The wide receiver position, somewhere between eight and nine of the top 12 were not on playoff teams. Eight and nine, that's 75% 
of the wide receivers in the top 12, not on a playoff team. We'll see what happens with Dallas. If you look at the tight end position, somewhere between five and seven of those top 12, not on playoff teams. We'll see if Philly makes it. Kickers, somewhere between seven and eight of the top 12, not on playoff teams. And defenses, here's the one where it seems to matter the most, somewhere between three and five of the top 12 team defenses, not on playoff teams. So look, you're at least halfway there at the running back position, at the wide receiver position, and the tight end position where, you know, this is a mantra that you've been saying for two years. Pick guys on good teams. This year, that doesn't pan out. You're 50-50. It makes sense for wide receivers because you might be throwing the ball, but somewhere between six and eight of the running backs in the top 12 are not going to be from playoff teams this year. Uh, I do, there's two things that one, one I guess I would state more than anything is running backs – in, in running backs, good running backs typically go along with, for the most part, going with good offensive lines and good defenses. They they, they, they typically go hat in hand. Um, you talked to, you said earlier to me. You said between six and eight. I had eight running backs in the top fifteen or on playoff teams that need to be on a good team to put up fucking points. That wide receivers that does not exist. It doesn't fucking matter. They don't need to be on a good team. We talked about fucking Arizona, one of the worst fucking teams. Devontae right. Parker. Those are bad teams. They put up fucking points. Running backs at, at eight of fifteen, there was a spread of fifty fucking points, or sorry, seventy points between the the top running back and the fucking number fifteen. It's pretty large, not 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 excessively large, but there's still a spread of seventy points. Fucking like step four, wide receivers only thirty points. My point here is, folks, is that wide receivers, similar choice to tight ends, you don't need to reach on this position. There's fucking players out here. If I'm drafting in twenty twenty right now. Honestly, I'm 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 hoping I get for the the top running backs, and I fill in on the backside of the, t- of the wide receivers. Running back heavy seems yes, that's how I would probably. And, do and it. not only that, and most of your guys that you you don't need in your league to win, you don't need to win your league by through the draft. Sutton, Shark, fucking, to me, AJ Dra- Brown, AJ Brown, Drake's kind of an anomaly to me. Sure, but I mean, like the receiver position, there are, and honestly, Diddy Westbrook is not good enough. But he, you, depending on how deep your league is. You might be able to plug him in. Sure. Anthony Miller. Yeah, Anthony Miller had a great back half. All right, let's talk. We're going to switch gears a little bit, and it's sort of similar, a little bit different, and it's what we're going to look at here is the biggest surprises from this season. Could be a player, could be whatever. What are the things that surprised you most from this season? I'll kick it off here because it's a nice lead-in. You mentioned his name a couple of times, and that's Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker's a 50-year player. His first four years with Adam Gase were trash. He was bad apparently as it turns out adam gase is just a fucking black hole for fantasy points don't ever pick a team guy that plays on an adam gase offense let me put that out there but this year without gase Devonte parker huge back half of the season wide receiver 11 on the year 1065 yards nine touchdowns on the season seven of his last 11 games went for 100 yards and or a touchdown there was only one in there where he had 100 yards and not a touchdown, but he scored a bunch. He won people fantasy championships, I guarantee it. Devontae Parker is somebody going at the, near the top of my list for fantasy draft next season. And uh, this was a surprise because he's somebody that I had written off completely going into the year. I'm up. Hit it. All right. 
I'm going to call the obvious one here is Lamar Jackson, folks. He's had 3,100 yards, just passing 36 TDs and 6 INTs. That's fucking phenomenal. This is talking about a guy who fucking last year in the playoff game in the first half had 57 yards. He did finish with 194 yards and 2 TDs. He was fucking terrible in the playoff game. Awful. Garbage. Um, And 1,200 yards rushing plus 7 TDs. This is what Bullfrog told me today when I saw him. He says Lamar Jackson had a 9-point-something touchdown rate on the season, which has only been beaten one time by Peyton Manning when he threw his 50-whatever touchdown season. That is incredible. It's insane. He didn't throw the ball a lot, but when he did... It was a five touchdown games. Like it was insane. It was stupid. Um, probably not repeatable. We said it last year about Mahomes. Probably not repeatable. But it's not like he's going to throw less than he well, did. Well, I guess you're point. We go back to, the, to, to our to our, our lessons learned. Defenses do adjust in this league. They do. You figure out. I mean, right e- right, e- right now, the the the, zone, the cover two zones get ripped apart by the fucking read option. Yeah. Or not. I mean, I don't even say that. But I mean, eventually. Defense will adjust and plan for Lamar Jackson not repeating at number one quarterback position is what I would tell you. Probably not. It almost never happens that a quarterback repeats at number one. But look, dude, he showed every skill that you could want in a quarterback this year. He was he was incredible. After week one, I told people not to bother because he wasn't going to do it again. It was Miami, but he did it again. Well, yeah, back in 2018, we sat there and said this was a fucking terrible pick. I can't believe fucking Baltimore took him. What the no fuck were they thinking? Shit. This guy showed up. They just threw offense Turns to out it. Harbaugh knows what he's doing. He's a fuck. Yeah, I, him and Greg Roman did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. with him. Um, I, I just, I, I would be honest with you guys on this. Baltimore versus New England. We'll talk about this pretty soon. I will put it down on paper. I do think New England will win the next matchup. If they play again, I'll take that bet easily. Wanna? Yeah, I'll take that bet. Okay. It's a bet. Yay! Uh, here's somebody that I was su- surprised by. It's Austin Eckler. He was he was incredible this year. Last year, you talked about this in the offseason, and I couldn't disagree with you as much as I wanted to. What you said was Eckler was great when Gordon was in the game. When he was out of the game, he was eh, right? He wasn't, he wasn't great. He was he Danny was Woodhead. Fine. This season, with Gordon gone... Eckler was a running back, too. He came out of the gate screaming. When Gordon came back in, uh, again, I put in an article, like, you should sell this guy. He's going to be fine. You could play him, but sell him because his value is never going to be higher than it is. Well, with Gordon in the game, he was a running back 11 on the year. Austin Eckler was nothing short of incredible this season, and that's with in a season where Phillip Rivers just imploded. How many five interception games did Philip Rivers have? He fucking lost. He's about done. There's a lot of speculation that he might retire because he just can't do it anymore. And that's the season where Austin Eckler manages a top eight running back season overall. Most of that with Melvin Gordon. Austin Eckler was incredible this season. And talk about a fucking surprise. Now, I drafted him in a couple of spots, and I never took him out of my starting lineup. But I was still surprised because I tried to trade him. I agree with you. I mean, you, you, your statement of being incredible with or without him is a- accurate. Um, he was concerned. I mean, the days of Danny Woodhead with Melvin Gordon, um, Woodhead was playable, just not. He had such a low fucking ceiling. Yes, that wasn't I, the same with Eckler. Eckler's ceiling with with Gordon in the game was running back three. Correct. It was incredible. 
Pour me another shot because I think I owe you a lot more. Pour yourself one. Yeah, you owe me fucking four more. I think I owe three more. Yes, pour you, you one, pour me one. Let's both take one. I'll talk about my last surprise here. And this was th- this was my surprise. Well, I haven't talked about my second one yet. Yeah, I'm going to talk about my third one here. Two rushers on one team is not as scary as I would have guessed going into the year. Here's three examples. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. While Hunt was playing during those weeks, both guys finished in that span as top 18 running backs. And this is on a Cleveland Browns team that couldn't get much going. It was nice to see that you don't have to be terrified of two backs on the same team if that team is willing to commit to the run. Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon, while Melvin Gordon was there, both of these guys finished top 16 as running backs. Again, I said trade Eckler when Gordon came back. But as it turns out, they were fine. And my last example is Baltimore here. Mark Ingram, who I liked before the season started, finished running back eight. Good for him. He's going to end up lower than that after week 17 because he's not playing next week. But if you just take Lamar Jackson's rushing numbers, he would have finished a running back 15 in standard scoring leagues. And I say standard because he didn't catch any passes. He was throwing them. Would have been 20 in half-point PPR leagues. But... Two rushers on the same team. Somebody would have told you early in the season that if somebody said Lamar Jackson's going to have 1,200 yards rushing, the obvious response would have been, well, don't bother with those running backs because they're not going to touch the ball. Two rushers on this team were just fine. There were a few examples there. There's not a ton of them. I realize there's only three. But if you've got a team that's willing to commit to the run, it's not, it's not a, a shut them off Fucking erase them from your draft list. Uh, consideration for uh, for for these two guys. I'm surprised by that. I did not expect. Well, when that. you say it doesn't have to be terrifying, I think that that part is accurate. It doesn't have to be terrifying. True. You need the right coach. You need the right team willing to commit to the run. If you would have looked, uh, San Francisco is another good case. I didn't put them on here because they had five guys that fucking touched yeah, no the shit. ball. But there were multiple guys on that team that were worth owning in fantasy football. Master was one of them that I've been telling you how good he fucking is, and he fucking he proved it. Um, the only thing I'll tell you in this is it's hard for me to tell you to buy into this and saying, hey, you can win doing this, you win a championship. I realize guys like Eckler, to me it depends on how low you get some of these guys. Sure. Um, you know, how late you draft them in the rounds or how, how cheap you spend in an auction is what makes this... Eckler for, Eckler for fucking... $8 or, or fucking round 12 and fucking later is fucking steal. I, I think I think the best value on this list is going to be that Hunt-Chubb thing because even though Nick Chubb ended really high, I, I, running back six, whatever he was, I think going into next season with Hunt and Chubb, my expectation is that, that the fantasy world is going to say, hey, two guys, they both did well last year, and they're going to fade both of them, and you're going to be able to get either one of them at a good value oh, next year. Hunt? I will promise you will not be there next year. Hunt? In will Cleveland? Not, he will not be in Cleveland next year. After what he did, you don't think they're going to sign him back? I don't think they can afford him, and I do think that someone else will pay more for him. Well, maybe. Was he on a one-year deal? Yes. Okay. We'll see. I like Ingram next year, too. Yeah, too. So, my surprise here, folks, is that LA Rams only had one player in the top ten in their position. That was Cup at wide receiver number six. And, if you look only at... Post injury, Cooper Cup. 
wasn't in the top ten. I wasn't was. in the top ten. Right? Depending on why you're scoring, Higby might be flirting in the top ten. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but Goff was quarterback number 21. We talked about him earlier that the pocket passer just didn't fucking work out. Mm-hmm. Gurley, running back 13. Robert Woods, fucking 18. It, to me, what was surprising here is the whole fucking league adjusted to the LA Rams defense. Or defensively, they adjusted to this offense. Um, and I'm interested to see kind of how, how the LA Rams respond and how Sean McVay comes back and hopefully puts his, puts these players back into the top of their position. Because honestly, Goff, I mean, Cup, Gurley is number one running back. I drafted Gurley with the number seven overall in one of our leagues. Yeah. Um, Robert Woods, Cup, those guys were going for number one by themselves. I think we, I think we had a bet. Robert Woods was not going to be the number one receiver. I think I bet. I think I bet Cook. You bet fucking Woods. It ended up being Cup. Yeah. Um, so to me, I mean, although again, over the over the last handful of games, Woods yep. has been going apeshit. Woods has been, but honestly, Cup is the most consistent. Still gives you four in the last four weeks, four fucking touchdowns. Yeah. Well, but they all come in the last five minutes. Yeah, I mean, I guess the point here, folks, is just the LA Rams and how far this offense has fallen. To me, was a big surprise. Didn't even make the playoffs. It Did- was a shock. Sean, the the unfucking touchable, the kryptonite proof, Sean McVay. And the guy that we think is in this in the league that shouldn't be as an NFL coach, Kingsbury. That fucking quarterback is fucking top top five. Yep, not winning, not winning games, not winning games. But the offense is producing. Pass me one of those shots. Let's take a shot. Back to the peanut butter. You gotta finish that one. Dude, too. we killed that bottle fast. Cheers. Cool. Why are you so eager to get out of here? We're going to predict the playoffs for you, much like we did preseason with me and the Bullfrog. We're going to tell you our AFC-NFC championship games in the Super Bowl, who's going to win it. I don't know that uh, many of our pick- I think I pick- I think I had uh, Houston-Philly in the Super Bowl preseason. They both might make the playoffs, but uh, I'm changing all of my predictions. Why don't you kick us off? Who, who do you like? So let's let, let's start in the AFC, okay? Please do. I'm going to take Baltimore and New England. Um, Baltimore is, is the clear favor. I, I, I think there are very few teams that, that are built to stop them, but I do think New England. Um, and New England's a goofy team. They did this last year. They won the Super Bowl last year. They didn't look that good at the end of the year. They just fucking get the job done. And this year they have a better fucking defense. I think matching up with Baltimore will be hard, but I I do think this this is, this is will be the match when the AFC is I. The Chiefs don't look good to me. Um, Houston, Tennessee, fucking Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I, those guys cannot beat Baltimore. Hands fucking down. They will not. They cannot. Go ahead. Give me your AFC. So in the AFC here, I've got Baltimore as well, obviously. But uh, I've got them facing the Chiefs. So game before divisional round, I've got New England playing against Kansas City. It's a repeat of last year's divisional round. The And I went back and forth about this a little bit. I know New England plays great football in the playoffs. They know how to win the playoffs. But you cannot deny the directions that these two teams have been going in. New England has been on the decline significantly of late. Whereas the Chiefs are playing some of their best ball right now as they get really healthy on the field. Uh, You know, Kelsey's back healthy. Hill's healthy. Mahomes is playing like he was preseason before he first injured that ankle. For me, the Chiefs are just playing too well right now. I've got them beating the Patriots to get to the Ravens. But just like 
Well, no, not like you. I've, I I think the Ravens are unbeatable. I know. So, uh, unlike me, you bought into Andy Reid. I haven't bought into. I've just bought into the fact that everybody, that this entire Patriots offense is struggling. The Patriots defense is playing okay still, but the Chiefs defense is getting better and better and better, and the Chiefs offense is playing at the peak of their game right now. So they're going to get there, but uh, when it gets to that championship, I don't. You know, I think I think Baltimore is just. Like I said, I think they're unbeatable. They they showed a chink in their armor against the Browns last week, where they were down in the first quarter. But they they that gave them the opportunity to show that like I may be even losing at halftime, but I'm gonna come out after the half and I'm gonna fucking stomp your face into the dirt and they beat the shit out of the Browns. They've got what it takes to beat whoever they face in that AFC Championship because it's right now for me it's the Ravens and then everybody else. Except to me, I think the differentiating factor here for me is, is New England and in, in, in specifically Stephen Gilmore, the ability to line up against anyone. Stephon. Stephon Gilmore. I think, I think you can take Tyreek Hill out of the game. It doesn't matter if it's Hill or Kelsey. I think he'll take them out of the game. You're not wrong. I think the Patri- if, if it is the Patriots-Chiefs in that, in that rematch in the divisional game, it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game. I just thought I like the Chiefs. To me, it doesn't matter. Baltimore is the one. I'll go NFC here. In the NFC this year, um, so... We don't know who's going to get the bye right now. We don't know who one, two, and three. All three of those spots are up for grabs right now. Well, it's either going to be Seattle or the Niners. Seattle, San Francisco, Green Bay, and New Orleans. All four of those teams can get a bye. We don't know what's going to happen yet. But the Packers get to play Detroit, which means the Packers are going to get a bye in that first round. I've got Green Bay versus the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship here. Um, tough games. I actually, I actually got the 49ers playing against Seattle in the divisional round, which I think is, you know, that's the third time they've played in what four or five weeks. Uh, that's going to be another great game. But San Francisco is figuring their shit out. The Packers have been quietly one of the best teams in the league. Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers, as much as we said early on that these two would butt heads, they they figured it out. I'm not what they've accurate. What they've figured out is this. When we get in the red zone, we run the ball Matt LaFleur style, and Aaron Jones scores a shitload of touchdowns. Can we go back here? Is Matt LaFleur a decent coach? He seems to be better than we expected. 100% he does. He does. He seems to have been able to find a middle ground between his style of play and Rodgers' style of play. They're getting along now, and that's a beautiful thing. And Rodgers is not playing well. But as we know, Matt LaFleur doesn't need a quarterback to be playing well. To win. He just wants to run the ball. You and I made a bet early in the year so that I bet Rodgers finished outside the top five, and he absolutely fucking did. Oh, I didn't even look. Yeah, he did. I um, got a whole week left. But but I guess my point here is that you're, you're not wrong in that statement that LaFleur, and, and Rodgers appears to be okay with it, them just winning games. Them and they are winning the games, running the ball. So, so interestingly, you're about to tell you're about to tell us your picks here, but I will tell you this: the only reason I've got Green Bay going to this championship game is because I think they end up with the bye, which means they end up getting to play New Orleans at home. If the New Orleans Green Bay game is in Lambeau, I give it to the Packers. If it's not in Lambeau, I give it to the Saints. But I think Green Bay beats Detroit, and I think then I know that Green Bay has the tiebreak over New Orleans. 
So to me, they get the bye, and the only reason they're beating the Saints to get to that AFC NFC Championship is because it's in Lambeau Field, and we know what it, we know what Drew Brees is away from home in the cold. Tell me your NFC Championship pick. I've given well, it away already. I mean, to me, uh, it's it is, it is New Orleans, Nolens, Nolens, and fucking Forty ers um, I think New Orleans and 49ers are the two best teams. I think 49ers will beat Seattle in Week 17. I'm not sure that game is. That game is. Tonight. It is Seattle. in Seattle, which will be a little bit more difficult. That'll be interesting to see if they can pull a game. I do think that overall, 49ers are a complete team, which Seattle just is not. Um, here's the reason I'm, I, I'm going because I think. You talk about it matters in fucking week 17 who fucking gets the number two spot. Packers play the fucking Lions. I think the Lions have a better... There's a chance they, they won't win the game, but there's a chance they do. And you think Packers do? If Packers win out, they, they get the number two spot? They do. They have the tie break over the Saints. Because right now they're number two and they have a tie they break. they win that game? They, I don't think they played against each other. but They did. Well, Should then, have. Then yes. I know that they have the tie break. Interesting, because the Saints play the Panthers, but I can't see them losing. Should win that as well. Um, Packers have to lose not to have home field, though. I, this is, I predict. I predict the 49ers will play the, go against the Minnesota, who I like a lot. I just cannot see Minnesota coming to the 49ers and winning that game. That just isn't realistic to me. Um, I do think that if, if what you're saying is accurate, the Packers will line up against the... the probably the Seahawks. See, see, I had it. I had it flipped. I had 49ers playing against the Seahawks. Ooh, that'll be either and way. I had New Orleans playing against uh, Green Bay. Yeah. So, so to me, a lot of see the NFC is crazy because we have no idea where the seeding is going to be all the way one through four. We don't to know. that point, though, it matters a lot with, with the way we're picking at least on on who actually gets these seats. Week seventeen is yes. very important. Yes. But I, I am I'm taking Nolens and fucking 49ers. I think New Orleans and Drew Brees are a complete team, which uh, most teams just aren't. And 49ers and New Orleans, probably the NFC, are the most complete team. If if New Orleans gets a chance to play the 49ers, which means it'll be a warm-weather game, that'll be a much better game than New Orleans in Green Bay. So who's your Super Bowl picks? We have one team in common for both of these, AFC, both of these championship conference games. Who are your Super Bowl picks? Yeah, I'm going to take New Orleans versus fucking New England. I'm going New Orleans. I think they're the most complete team in the, I believe, overall in each division. I think this, or each conference, I should say, it's New Orleans. The most complete team, and they have the most, they have the best, one of the best coaches and one of the best quarterbacks. So before the season started, Bullfrog picked New Orleans to win and Drew Brees to walk off into the sunset. Is that what you see happening? Is he going to retire at with a, with another ring? I don't know if he's willing to walk away on, on top. I think he, he appears to still some more fire in him. Yeah. So for me, um, we both had a team in common in the championship games, but neither we don't have any teams in common in the Super Bowl. I think the Ravens go to the Super Bowl, and I think the Niners beat the Packers. For me, the Super Bowl is Ravens, 49ers, two teams that were that were counted pretty much out. The Ravens were somewhere in the middle of the pack in preseason rankings. The Niners, most experts had them winning three games. Uh, and for me, that's a great, a great culmination of a season. Two underdogs making it into the Super Bowl. And between these two teams, 
I think the 49ers defense is maybe the only defense in the league right now set up to slow Lamar Jackson down. We saw them play against each other a couple of weeks ago, and it came down to the wire. The Ravens needed three seconds left in the game to win that one. I think the 49ers win this Super Bowl. I think the 49ers is the ultimate fucking Cinderella story after being counted out preseason because of last year's shit show. And they beat the Ravens in, in in what I expect to be an incredible Super Bowl. If the 49ers get to the Super Bowl, I do agree with you. Um, That's a chip on their fucking shoulder, right? I, I, I think that whoever, if whatever NFC team gets to the Super Bowl will win. Yeah. And I do think it's probably New Orleans and 49ers. Um, again, I, I took New Orleans, New England. Um, mostly because, don't forget, the New England's first Super Bowl was that they, they slowed the the fastest team on turf, right? Greatest show on turf? Yeah. Fucking Rams? That coach slowed him down. He figured out what to do. Sure. I think he's going to do the same with fucking Ravens. I think he knows how to do it. I think he will do it. I don't... To me, I think the hardest game picking out of this is the NFC. I, I just think, like you said, the 49ers, New Orleans, Green Bay, there's a lot of... Even Seattle, if... if God forbid, new 49ers lose this game up in fucking Seattle. They're in the number five slot. Changes a whole different fucking scenario here. Yeah. Although, I, if if I'm picking any of these playoff teams in the NFC to go on the road and win, it's the 49ers. Just because they're the most legit team. Because they run the most ball complete and they have team. defense. That's how you win on the road. Um, so, real quickly, Bullfrog did send me his playoff picks, sort of. Super interesting, actually. It's a nice... Split between the two of us in the AFC Championship. He's got Baltimore beating New England. So you had Baltimore, New England. I had Baltimore winning. He's got Baltimore beating New England. In the NFC, he's got the Saints beating the Packers in the NFC Championship. Again, a lot of things have to be different in the rankings and the final seeding in order for that game to even be possible. But his Super Bowl is going to be Baltimore versus New Orleans. And he did not tell me. (laughs) <laughs> who he thought would win that game. My best guess is that he's picking Baltimore, but who knows? Who fucking knows? All right, uh, two things left. For the first time in a long time, if ever, uh, I don't know. I'm sure you've done it once. back, asshole. 2018, I had so many wins. I beat the fuck out of you guys immediately when I joined. There was a drought at the end So many wins? Yeah, early on, I beat the fuck out of you guys. It is... December 27th of 2019. Oh, yeah, so if we want to talk about 2018, we can all day, but it was legitimately at least 12 months ago. Wiz, I concede to you, you beat me by all of, what, 1.4 points? Daily Deep Throat. At the corporate position, I just don't think there's that many good matchups. I'm going Drew Locke versus Oakland for 7,100. Jones... Against Philly, that's Daniel Jones for 7,500. Or Murray, Kyler Murray for 7,700 against LA Rams. Um, I like Barkley a lot here, folks. I think he's coming on strong at the end of the year. I think if you're going to spend your money somewhere, it is here for, against the New York Giants for 9,300. Gurley. Todd Gurley against Arizona is another option. He's a lot significantly cheaper here for, what is it? Uh, it's $1,500 cheaper than Barkley for, at 7,800. Miles Sanders has been phenomenal the last four weeks of this season. I can, it's not going to stop against the Giants. That's a terrible defense. Miles Sanders will be, continue to be good for $7,400. I like him. Eckler, we talked about him a lot. $1,600 against the fucking Kansas City Chiefs. Good defense. 
Eckler will put up points regardless. In the wide receiver position, I like our JJ Arcega Whiteside going against the Giants. $5,300 to me. It's a steal. He'll probably put up 10 points. Not a very high ceiling, but again, if you're trying to buy cheaply in the wide receiver position, he's someone who will get you points. Gallup against Washington for $6,500. I expect Dallas to put up fucking mad points in this game, and I like Gallup a lot. Um, I like Thielen versus the Bears in a weird sort of kinky way. Thielen's disappeared since week, what, five, six, doesn't matter. Um, he's only $6,800. To me, that is cheap as shit. Um, you, you gotta, you gotta, like, fucking Perriman here. Perriman out of the last four weeks, last month of the season, has showed up since Mike Evans has gone out. And this, Chris Godwin. It doesn't fucking matter. This guy looks like a legit receiver now. Yeah. He spent fucking four years in Baltimore, couldn't, didn't know how to run around, catch a pass. Austin goes to fucking Tampa and looks fucking legit. He catches good passes. He's $7,600, folks. Not that bad. I'm taking a couple... Here's a fucking a, a deep spot here. I like Hunter Renfro. He had a big touchdown last week. It's not only that. This guy consistently get, gets you points. Similar to Whiteside. Expect 10 points out of this guy. He only costs you $6,000. He's going against Denver. Not a bad option. Mike Williams against KC for $6,300. Mike Williams, the last month of the season, he's disappeared for the first fucking 12 weeks. He's put, he's given you 12 points. Landry, he has been consistent. Going against Cincinnati, 6800 Again, another cheap option. I, I guess what I'm telling you guys, this week, I would buy cheap at the wide receiver position. There's just too many options not to do it. Um, tight end, I like Goddard against the Giants with 6400 Fant against Oakland. Oakland's a f- terrible defense. They give up points left is and Fant, right. Is Fant back? Is he playing? Supposedly. Okay, so watch that one. But if Watch he plays, it, pay attention to it. If he does play, I would fucking pick him. Don't forget about Dallas Knox. Dawson. Dawson Knox, Dallas Knox. Dallas, there's too many Dallas fucking players. Um, Dawson Knox for the Bills going against the Jets. Jets have a good defense. He's only cost you $4,800, and Dawson Knox gets you points. He's a good option here. I didn't pick a defense. I think it was worth it. You know, yeah, Bullfrog has been all about that Dawson Knox for a while. He loves that Dawson Knox. Look, okay, so I looked it up. Here's what, here's what we've got. On the season... All year long, uh-huh. you've combined for 1,809 points. Okay. The good doctor, who has played two less weeks than you, okay. has combined for 1,793. You've so got him by 16. Six, bull, uh, Bullfrog, who has more points than anybody else over the course of the year, 2,196. I've got 2,163. I'm only 33 points behind <laughs> the kid. You know, I, I bet him a flexible frustration draft pick. We're swapping our 10 and 11, whoever wins the most of these by the end of the playoffs. But we're going through the playoffs. I'm down by two. If I'd have beat you sure this week, track. I don't have to keep track. It's right. It's all, it all keeps it right here for me on FanDuel. On, on FanDuel. Most wins. Eight for him, six for me. One for each of the rest of you. Because there are people out there who are still playing Survivor. I'm one of them. Who you got? Um, I'll go first. Here's a game where the the Vegas line went from pick'em at the beginning of the week to negative five because Vegas expects Houston Texan players to sit a large chunk of this game because win or lose, their position where they are in the rankings is not going to move. So I'm taking the Tennessee Titans who, look, 
They've been good back half of the season, but if you're in a survivor, it's not an easy team to have picked it at just about any point. Might still be available if it is. I like the Titans over the Texans because, like Vegas, I expect the Texans uh, not to really give a fuck if they win this one. I expect Houston to sit a lot of their defense, to be honest with you. Offensively, they will keep playing their players. Hopkins might sit. The rest of these guys will probably play. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I do think Titans will probably be the shit out of Houston just because the fucking Houston doesn't, really it doesn't matter. And the t- Titans are still playing for their playoff life. They, they have win, to win. They can get in. In fact, if they win, they are in. So they're going for it. Uh, and I and I realize Houston. This is a divisional game. Houston might come out and say, "Hey, let's try to spoil their fun," but I don't see it happen. Now, Bullfrog agrees with you. What's your pick? I'm going a non-playoff game, which is going to be interesting to me. I'm going two fucking shitty teams. I'm going Denver over Oakland. And I believe it's... Is it in Oakland? I don't have any idea. I don't know the answer to that. But um, I just think... Drew Locke and company. Fangio's a better better coach against right now against your boy Gruden. Gruden sucks so much. Um, Gruden Gruden doesn't suck. Gruden's an okay coach. He's not bad. Depends how you're going to look at this. But my opinion here is... Denver's trying to prove that they're still a legit team. Oakland doesn't give a shit. They just want a better pick. They're playing without most of their better players. Fucking J- Jacoby. Percet? No. Wait. Josh Jacobs about? will not fucking play in this oh, game. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. Josh Jacobs might play in this game. He's not. I can't imagine why you'd fucking play your number one because pick last Because after year. this week, he gets the whole offseason off regardless of what happens. If I was the Oakland GM, Josh Jacobs would not be playing this game. We'll it see. doesn't fucking matter. See what my the the defense sucks. Most of this fucking team in Oakland sucks. They're moving. They they got booed off the field last week. I oh, can't. They got shit thrown at them off the field. I can't last imagine week. Fangio's Denver team, who's still relatively young, is not going to be there. Yeah. So Bullfrog agrees with you. Also picks the Broncos. Yeah, I just yeah. want to make a toast. Not only to us because we're the shit. Not only to all of our Your Football Fantasy loyal listeners. Mostly Gary Haddow. But this goes out to Gary Haddow and his goddamn Scotty Fish Bowl win. Hey, bro. Bro. If you can get me in next year. No, no, no. I want to know how many of your... How much of your starts the season came from us. That's what I want to know. All of it. Cheers, brother. Look, guys, we are in our off-season schedule. That means we're not going to be here next week. We are jumping to an every other week schedule from here on out through to your fantasy draft. Please catch up with us every other week. We won't be here next week. Doesn't mean we're done with sorry. Doesn't mean the, the shows are over. Just means we'll be back a week after. For our lesson of the day, uh, we've given you so many goddamn lessons already today. Literally, legitimately, the purpose of the show was lessons you want to take into next season. But, if I had to break it down, I'd say this. For your lesson of the day, if you've got an elderly loved one living on life support, my suggestion... Pull the fucking plug and walk away. All right. That's it from week 17. The first of our technical off-season shows. Gary Haddow, I'm going to call you in a couple of days. Expect that call. Answer that fucking call. 
remember your roots. Otherwise, for the rest of you, fuck off. Have a great New Year's Eve. Thank you for listening to another episode of Your Football Fantasy. Now pull up your pants, subscribe, and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find more from these limp dick butt pirates at www.yourfootballfantasy.weebly.com. <laughs>